0: good evening dumb nation episode 316 what are we talking about tonight masks thunderous applause on the plane everyone's so excited why we'll go into it tonight stick around 60 seconds on the rebound you can fast forward if you want over to right here this many minutes to skip the intro but it just takes a second thanks so much Navy veteran Matt Spear presents Don't Unfriend Me. Brutally honest. Experience matters. Facts, not feelings. To the point. And always direct. No safe spaces. You can agree or disagree. You can love him. You can hate him. Just don't Unfriend him. Sit back, relax. Don't Unfriend Me starts right now. Well, thank you for watching Don't Unfriend Me. Appreciate you being here. Who am I? My name is Matthew Spear. I'm the host of Don't Unfriend Me. Started this about 14 months ago. Since then, we have found 82,000 fans, 58,000 likes. It's grown extremely fast. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. How do we do that? Well, you can follow me, like, share and subscribe to get all your updates of when I go live Uh, Monday through Friday at 830 is when we go live. I do a recorded show three days a week, and this is one of them. And with no further ado, let's get, oh, one little thing. You can go over to don'tunfriendme.com. You can get cool shirts like this. This is actually from my company, Valor, where I work. But you can get coffee, you can get hats, you can get shirts. Great stuff, don'tunfriendme.com. 10% goes to Travis Mannion Foundation. You can get 10% off also by using code DUMB10. All right, there you go. There's my advertising, and I did it in under two minutes. Let's get to the show tonight. A case of the clap. I know, not too, not too, you know. It's kind of gross. But either way, I want you to watch this quick video, and then we'll talk about it right after that. April 18th, the Biden administration announced that the Transportation Security Administration will no longer enforce the federal mandate requiring masks in all U.S. airports and on-board aircraft. Finally! Uh, effective imedi- immediately masks are optional for all airport employees, crew members, and customers inside U.S. airports and on-board aircraft. Well, of course, we've all been waiting for it, but I have perspective. Sometime in 1979, I believe it was in July, I was a young kid, five years old, the Arthur Fiedler Symphony was coming to Los Angeles. It was on the Green Concert and open at Irving Meadows on the Green. I've been there many times and saw many bands there later in life, including Jethro Toll, Def Leppard, Yes, and countless others. The place held a special place in my heart. In 1979, I had my first experience with a a concert of that size, and we were a mile from the stage, it seemed. Basket of food, three kids, and my parents waiting for fireworks. However, Mr. Fiedler was not there that evening. He had taken ill and died that same month. However, it mattered little to me, and I didn't understand the significance of the event overall. We went anyway, and a stand-in tempered the orchestra. As the first movement began to hum through the park, the entire assembly stayed absolutely still and silent. It was eerie and amazingly electric at the same time. I loved the music immediately. I couldn't tell you what resonated through my ears specifically, but I can tell you what it did to my soul. As the first movement drew to a close, the music kept my attention for the few minutes it went on. As soon as it ended, I started my clapping furiously. My father spun around as fast and his, uh, as the first compression hit his ears, he grabbed my hands and shook his head quietly, no, as the glares from the other families finally reverted back to eyes front, and their all too familiar moments of recollection gleamed into when their parents did the same to them, and they had taught their kids. I stood there, puzzled. My dad simply said, in this type of concert, you hold your applause till the end it is a sign of respect to allow the movement and score to play in its entirety. The reason why is simply, uh, you do not know what the other movements will bring. So we listen to the whole story before judging its value, which will determine the amount of applause received from the listeners to the orchestra. I would like um, to tell you I understood everything he said, but alas, like most things in, the, in my mind's eye, my father sounded like a picreous, and I simply went on listening in silence on the green. The lesson? Well, now I know sometimes the applause should wait till the end to show the respect or lack thereof of admiration for the performance. Applause is a gift that is bestowed on the recipient to project back to the creator. Without context, the applause can seem contrived, are almost prosthetic to the real thing. My family was poor. My family was not pomp and circumstance. But we understood that a napkin went on your lap. You always kneeled before you prayed. You always wore clean underwear. And apparently, didn't clap until the end of some venues and performances. Mask hypocrisy has been present from the very start. We were put through the motions. And here is an example of what we saw during the Super Bowl just a month or two back. We're in Hollywood. Who do we got here? We got Jay Z, Matt Damon, Charlize Theron is here, LeBron, Jennifer and Ben, Emmett Smith. There you go. There's my kind of celebrity. Yeah, now we're talking. I mean, where else would they be? they certainly wouldn't be wearing masks. We wouldn't expect that from them. The guidance really made no sense from the beginning. If you remember, most conservatives, most people who were in rural areas went to Home Depot and Lowe's and we got the first mask we could see, painting masks, M95 masks, whatever it was, and we put them on. Then we were told, stop it. There's no need to wear masks. Masks aren't going to stop this. You're actually wasting resources for first-line responders, nurses, etc. Knock it off and don't. So what did we do? We obviously went and complied. And we brought the mask back to the store. Well, then we got yelled at yet again when we decided not to go ahead and listen to the guidance to wear masks. We saw Nancy Pelosi getting her hair done up and then blaming everyone as it was a whole setup or a conspiracy. Welcome to Nancy Pelosi's mindset? How about Obama's party where the elite of the elite came together, over 600 people and nobody wore masks? How about walking through an entire restaurant, having to wear a mask and then sitting down and taking off the mask and somehow pe- plexiglass and chewing food once you're sitting down? COVID doesn't spread. How about pretending that the immunocompromised were still not immunocompromised with me wearing a mask? That's like saying, as long as I do my sit-ups and pull-ups, you'll get in shape. Whether it be the plexiglass or saying that it was contact surfing, or we had to go ahead and wear uh, you know, rubber gloves or face shields, all of these stupid things that we did. And honestly, we all knew it didn't make sense. All of us understood that it was still spreading. How about the White House press room? How about the Academy Awards? I'd like to bring some clarity and understanding to the aversion to mask wearing. If I were a politician who was privy to all the the behind-the-scenes reports and I knew that COVID posed a high risk of extreme illness or death and there was a high chance of me spreading the virus to my family, I would make sure to wear a mask every second. And especially when I was among other people. As an everyday citizen, when someone in a position of authority sends that message repeatedly and then proceeds to be seen regularly among a large gathering uh, minus a mask, I question the validity of their warnings. It's not about politics. It's about your sincerity and my trust in what you do and say. And it can only take so many celebrities singing John Lennon's Imagine before I'm convinced that you're all full of caca. If you want me to wear a mask whenever I'm out, then I expect to see you wearing a mask whenever you're out. Isn't that what it's supposed to be? It's for, it's for them, not us. Many on the right have been subject to a steady barrage of accusations regarding the politicization of masks and the Neanderthal inclination to rebuke science throughout most of the pandemic, The left-leaning media complex has embarked on a non-stop fear campaign, often overstating the severity of the situation with misleading statements and inflated statistics, insisting that any suggestion to the contrary is misinformation or conspiracy theory, or we get banned from social media, like YouTube, twice, right here. Consequently, much of the public has become worried, sick, pardon the pun, to the point of instituting draconian lockdowns and irreparable, damaging the educational development of an entire generation of kids. Liberals grew increasingly angry with those of us who appeared to flaunt the rules or dismiss the pandemic as overhyped. But here's the interesting thing. I'm still alive. I haven't been vaccinated. I hardly ever wear a mask. I always wash my hands, but that hasn't changed, and I'm still here. In fact, a lot of us are. Meanwhile, most white-collar workers worked from home during the pandemic. They experienced no disruption in income and got to spend more time with their families. The New York Times even made a reference to the white-collar quarantine. For many of those individuals, the entire ordeal felt something like a year-long snow day. This bizarre nationwide bourgeois pajama party would only come to an end once the threat from COVID subsided. But the New York Times, Washington Post, CNN, and the like, they know who butters their bread. So stories about the small business owners and blue-collar workers that were financially ruined by the lockdowns were dismissed as propagandists, as were stories about the mental health impact on children like mine and the inevitable inflationary effects of the grossly irresponsible stimulus packages from the federal government. Has anyone paid their taxes yet? Yep, that's why they're so high. So here we are, now that the dust is clearing and the reality of the damage done by the lockdowns becomes more apparent by the day, many on the left are simply in shock. The CDC's recent issuance of good news is the pin that popped their comfortable bubble of delusion. Sadly, many of these folks will double down on that delusion and retreat further into their corner of delusionment. This should be an opportunity for Americans to come together again, perhaps allowing the summer sunshine to disinfect the wounds inflicted by the bitter partisanship, fear, and isolation of the pandemic. But for some on the left, this is an uncomfortable moment, fraught with anxiety. It's not because they are confused about when they should be wearing masks. It's because hypocrisy, bitterness, and delusion will be unmasked for all to see. Their confusion is not about how to stay safe. It's about how to save face. The truth is, the movements have passed, and the ending of the sound is where the silence begins. The silence to reflect in a moment if we understood the crescendo and peaks and valleys of each note played in the song. If we are critical, we will realize that the concert began with a dark, melodic undertone, where the music struck fear and trepidation in our hearts, with a transition into bitterness and greed, as the story of the corporations were preferred over the small business. As the woodwinds blew in, the tale of government bootnecking became a tempest across our ears. Freedom was replaced with tyranny and oppression, as thunderous as the bass drum thumping. As we transitioned into the final score, the story changed yet again, and all the hypocrisy and overreaching powers of our supposed leaders was forgotten. We were told we could have our identity back, our pride, and our self-respect, but little did we know that those things were lost in such a short time. We almost forgot what we had heard just a fleeting few moments before, but in reality, we've been listening to this for almost two years. And when those final few notes played. We heard a polar melody of hope and reversal of bad fortunes that ended as fast as they came with no reason, with no investment of effort. The song simply vanished as soon as it began. And that moment we reflected on the performance and all of it was uninspiring and a drudgery to all involved. But something happened. When the final song played, it wasn't rich or robust in quality. It was simply better than what we had been hearing for so long. It had been so long since we had clapped for anything. So, this was just as good as anything else. The return of what was lost. No, what was stolen. Our individuality, our dignity, our faith in a system that betrayed all of us with lies, control, and deceit. As the maestro turned to face us all, as the bows were lowered to the posterior, and as the final page was turned on the notes, the silence should have been as equally deafening as we were made to feel over this entire facade. Yet we applauded and applauded with cheer. We cackled with glee and glee, shouted out, thank God, and it's about time, demonstrating that we were never compliant because we felt it made us safe. We were compliant and remained in our seats because we were ordered to do so. Not only did it send a clear message that the orchestra would never need to improve on their work for our deference to be established yet again, you told them you are willing to lose more of your freedom as long as you are not seen as a distance apart from the audience and there to just get along. I wish someone would have restrained the hands of those passengers and told them to hold their applause and to instead loose their tongues in fervent protest of the concoffity of refuse that was sold to us, and we were all made to ingest. But we asked for an encore, alas, with thunderous applause instead. Folks, that's it for my show tonight. Thank you for my somewhat dramatic and poetic ending to the show, but I hope you enjoyed it and you get the message. The point is, Freedom is never free. And honestly, I don't understand what the heck we're doing anymore, but I'll keep making the shows if you keep listening to them. My name is Matthew Spear. Once again, thank you for watching. I'm going to go out like I always do with the Veteran Crisis Hotline. Veteran Crisis Hotline is 1 800 273 8255. You can press, whoops, hold on. Sorry, little breakdown there. You can press one. On that, you will be connected to a Veteran Crisis Hotline operator. They are always looking out. People with TBIs, traumatic brain injury, PTS, anxiety, depression, and veterans experience this more than just about anybody. Please do me a favor. Reach out to this number. If that veteran won't make that call, you can reach out to me and I will make that call with you. I have done it multiple times and I'm always willing to do so. Last but not least, it is 100% free. It will never be reported to your duty station. And if you are a civilian, you can reach out too and they will not turn you away. Veteran Crisis Hotline is extremely important. Folks, stop by me.com. I don't know why we have double picture. Let's just enjoy it together. Two is better than one. Just like masks, folks. If you wear two masks, you're much, much safer. You should wear three and four and five. Maybe even wear a hundred. And then you should hold your breath for eight minutes. Folks, Monday through Friday, you can find me at 8.30. Thanks for having a laugh. I will see you tomorrow and tonight at 8.30. Good night.